Welcome to Jiri Snacks, snackable episodes about the Jiri exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and our affordable 199 GRE course includes everything you need to ace your GRE, a full textbook, tons of questions, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you $20 off at checkout. Um, now, today we've got the two founders of Test Crackers on with us to talk about GMAT versus GRE and the differences between them. And given that they are their business covers both exams, they are uniquely suited for this topic. So really excited to have you guys on. Uh, if you want to introduce yourselves real quick. Thank you so much, Tyler. Uh, my name's Yuri. Yeah, thank you, Tyler. And, I, and I'm Seth. Quick moment on Test Crackers. We've been running in-person and online uh, courses for the GMAT and GRE for some time now. We've had thousands of students in small group classes, very interactive and just give you a lot of time to work through this material with an expert who understands it very well. Uh, if you want to learn more about us, check out our website, testcrackers.org, or give us a call at 415-323-5728. Thanks. Great. Yeah, so I think we just wanted to start things off by talking about really just at a high level how you approach GRE versus GMAT if you're you know, let's say you're applying either just to any program or to an MBA program. I think that MBA is probably where there's going to be the most overlap between those two exams. And uh, what do you, how do you start? I think Seth, you had some good thoughts on kind of like, what's the starting point from which to start to lay out this decision framework and what you think about when you're choosing between the two tests. Sure. Uh, I mean, quick version goes like this. If you're going to business school right now, both are very viable options, and you're choosing which one's better for you, either one's probably acceptable. If you're not going to business school, there's a good chance the GMAT's not going to cut it at all, uh, because very few programs outside of uh, MBAs, some real estate, some other finance stuff will, but mostly you're going to need the GRE. And that does bring up the point that if you're applying to dual degree programs or even just aren't sure what program... The GRE's got some option value. It gives you that flexibility that, you know, you, you can do more things with the GRE score than you can with the GMAT score. Both are good for five years. Um, in terms of business school, historically, the GMAT was the way to go. And within the time I've been teaching these tests, it was originally a very weird thing to apply to business school with the GRE. It was almost like a backdoor into business school because the, the schools were like, oh, sure, we can do that but it wasn't getting reported to anyone. It didn't show up in the rankings. It didn't show up. Uh, They weren't reporting the average scores for admitted students. And as a result, it kind of felt like this way you could sneak in if you had a good application otherwise, because they wouldn't have to take a hit to their averages by letting in somebody with a lower GRE score. Um, But that's just, it's become so normal to apply with the GRE now. It's such a huge percentage of the current classes and business programs. And, and it's, totally standard to report these average scores now too, that yeah, that that's really faded. And it, it, you know, what it comes down to, to me at this point is, I think the schools, from what I see, are sophisticated enough to understand that the scores mean different things and to you know, sort of use them to evaluate you compared to other people who took the same exam. And that mostly you want to take the exam that you're better suited for personally, that, you know, you're going to have a competitive advantage on because something about the format or content or type of things tested on this exam just tends to be where you're going to excel a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yuri, any thoughts in addition to that? Yeah, I, th- I think the two exams are are 
different in significant ways and similar in some ways. Um, and there are uh, advantages and disadvantages to each exam. Um, did you wish to talk about the, the differences like in the specific sections? Oh, yeah. So I think that's kind of the next step of this, right, is, is as Seth said, you should be taking, assuming you're kind of, you know that you could take either, right? Obviously, it's if you're applying for like a master's in psychology or something, maybe you should take the GRE. But if it's, if it's an MBA, um, you, you know, you could do either. And so how do you determine which of these things is better suited for you? And that really comes down to the three sections, right? Like you've got the verbal, the quant and the writing. So which one do you guys want to jump uh, tackle first? Maybe the verbal and how the, the sections differ? Sure. Although I, I want to make one other point before we do. It just struck me there. Um, I, I have to throw out the EA, the executive mm -hmm. assessment, which is an increasingly common way for people to apply to business schools as well. It's super standard for executive MBA programs, which, of course, were traditionally taking the GMAT um, and still will take the, the GRE. Uh, but, you know, there are there are full time programs taking the EA as well. And it really does feel like the EA is somewhere in between and sort of takes some pages from the way the GRE is structured, as well as quite a bit uh, from the way that the GMAT is structured. So, you know, there there are other things out there, too, but, I, you know, it makes sense to focus mostly on these two. Cool. Well, yeah. So let's talk about the difference between GRE verbal and, and uh, GMAT verbal. Like, what would you say are the key first, just like what are the differences at a high level? But then like, what are the sort of what are the skills where it's like, if you're better at this skill, then you should take one or the other. Yeah. So you can split the GRE verbal in half and GMAT in thirds. There's half the questions on GRE verbal are testing vocab in one way or another. And the other half are testing reading comp in one way or another. On the GMAT, it's 36 questions, and so a little more than a third, um, about 14 of them, are going to be testing grammar. And so that's a huge difference right there. That's not on the GRE section. 12 of them, or pretty much exactly a third, are testing reading comp. And that's similar to the one long passage you'll get in a GRE verbal section. And then the smallest percentage, 10, a little less than a third of the uh, GMAT verbal questions are going to be testing critical reasoning. Those actually overlap a lot with what we're calling reading comp on the GRE. The same kinds of arguments, questions, and sort of short paragraphs with one question on them uh, format. Very similar there. So, you know, huge overlap. The big difference, the big thing that's unique about these is grammar versus vocab. Um, half of the GRE are vocab-based questions. You need to know a ton of obscure words that hardly anyone would have any reason to know going in. <laughs> Um, many of which fell out of favor in usage in the English language like 150 years ago and somehow are back to haunt us on this test. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's good in some ways if you're somebody who likes memorization, if you're somebody who's good at memorization, or even just somebody who is willing to put in the time and do memorization, kind of minute for minute, putting in time to bring your score up, memorizing vocabs, one of the best paths you've got out there. And that's available to anyone if you're disciplined enough to go in and do this. Versus on the GMAT, there's no real memorization component like that for the verbal improvement. And uh, the biggest thing, you know, I, I do think sentence correction, the grammar component is perhaps the best place for a lot of people to improve, but it's gonna involve a very different sort of process because it's about kind of really learning the nuance of grammar rules and of sort of rules about how to um, 
choose the best sentence in, in a way that, that draws on a pretty different skill set. I guess one more follow-up on that that I'll say uh, is just that I've noticed that among non-native English speakers, my anecdotal experience is that they'll have an easier time with the GRE for that mm. because of the fact that memorizing vocabulary is sort of a component of learning a new language anyway, and it sort of can happen in addition to the work you're already doing to become fluent in English. Whereas sentence correction, there are just so many weird rules in English that can be very nuanced and difficult to pick up upon. And I've had students who can be very frustrated where they're just like, why is this one wrong? I've learned all the rules I was supposed to learn, but what's wrong with this answer? And it's something that a native speaker might say, oh yeah, you just can't say that and, and not really have a good explanation for it. So there's, there's kind of this frustration that can be built into that component of the, the GMAT. Yeah, for better or for worse, English is sort of become the de facto standard of these tests at least and english is a language that is maybe not like super easy to learn <laughs> there's a lot of exceptions and there's a lot of stuff that is for lack of a better word like just kind of on feeling now like as a native speaker like i know that i can't say some things or but if you are not a native speaker it, it all kind of hits all the all the check boxes like you said and so yeah, I think that's really interesting because my first inclination when you were talking about the differences was that maybe it would be better to not have to memorize a vocab that you'll never use or have never heard of before if you're not a native English speaker. But maybe that's it's actually just easier to keep doing that with harder words than to try and figure out these weird grammar rules. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's those are different questions, right? Um, is is this useful to have to learn this obscure vocabulary? And to me, it's it's kind of this funny quirk of the test that's that almost feels like this antiquated idea of oh, you're going to graduate school, you need to use fancy words. Like we're gonna we're gonna make sure only people who know fancy words go to graduate <laughs> programs. But you know, as a study choice, that's you know, you don't have to worry about whether it's a good idea or not. You just have to worry about whether it's it's something you'll do well with. Yeah, it turns out it's a bit superfluous. And the GRE <laughs> words are there. even more ridiculous than superfluous, which is somewhat normal. <laughs> like I, I, I've, I have read through our courses vocab list just for fun, and there are some ones on there that's like I don't think I've ever seen this in my life. And I, you know, I went to some, I went to like schools where people might have tried, <laughs> and I've never seen them. Um. Well, great. I mean, I think then let's talk about. Jiri quant. So for Jiri quant, what do you feel like are the core differences between GMAT, excuse me, uh, GMAT quant and Jiri quant? And then sort of which test taker should take which exam? So uh, I'll start by saying I think that with the verbal sections, there is a real difference in content. Uh, it, as Seth mentioned, between vocabulary based questions and uh, uh, grammar uh, sentence correction questions in the GMAT. Um, and in the uh, GRE and GMAT quant sections, I don't think there's a big difference in content. Uh, both tests uh, um, examine arithmetic, algebra, geometry, and a little bit of statistics. And that really is it for both exams in the quant section for content. Um, so the content is kind of the same. The format, though, is pretty different in the quant sections uh, of these tests. The, um, the timed 
nature of these exams is very different. In the GMAT, you cannot go backwards. Uh, you have uh, 31 questions for 62 minutes. Right. And um, you can skip questions by guessing an answer, but then you can never go back to that question. Um, and uh, people generally feel that the GMAT uh, quant section is uh, more stress-inducing uh, in terms of time. Uh, whereas in the GRE quant section, right. you uh, get 20 questions for 35 minutes and you can jump around, you can skip questions and then come back to them. Um, and so it's a little bit less stressful there. Um, and then the other, I think, big difference is the level of logical reasoning that the GMAT quant section requires um, is, uh, I think, um, more pronounced in the GMAT quant section because a significant number of questions are in this data sufficiency format in the GMAT uh, that does require more logic than uh, quantitative comparison questions do in the GRE. And quantitative comparison questions are unique to the GRE and data sufficiency questions are unique uh, to the GMAT. In terms of your uh, second question about um, uh, who, who should take which exam. I think generally people who feel pretty confident about their high school math skills, at least for the quant, tend to gravitate towards the GMAT. Um, it's a little bit easier to shine with your high school math skills in the GMAT because there's much more room for error. Uh, in the GRE quant, to get an extremely high score, you can, you can miss almost no questions. And in the GMAT quant, to get a very high score, you can miss a lot of questions. Um, now, they get very difficult, but you can miss them in the GMAT quant. And you really can't miss any, any uh, many questions at all uh, to get a very high GRE uh, quant score. Um, and that said, people who don't feel as comfortable with high school math tend to do better uh, on the GRE quant section. There's an interesting like psychological component that you just brought up though, which is um, <clears throat> if you're the type of person who feels really bad when they don't definitively get a question right, then maybe you want to take the GRE, right? Because I, I, I know people like that on the math side in particular, right? Where it's like they'd rather answer 40 kind of above average difficulty questions and know that they got them all right than answer like, you know, 30, 10 of which were super hard, and they got five of them right. You know, but I, something that's interesting, you're right psychologically, but that's also as an instructor, I think that something that, that is learnable. And for a lot mm -hmm. of people taking the GMAT, for example, I think the GMAT is a somewhat more strategic exam. You know, there's a lot of strategy to both of them, but for the learning a strategy that really allows you to score your best on the GMAT takes some time. But people are capable of making that change and, and can improve mm -hmm. a lot once they're able to say, oh, okay, I have to realize my limits. I have to accept that this is a test where I will maybe see stuff I don't know how to do and get it wrong and be okay with that. And I can still walk away with a good score. Yeah, I think that was actually, I mean, I am also maybe speaking a bit from my personal experience because <laughs> when I was, like, I took the GMAT, not the GRE. And the problem that I ran into a lot was I was trying to solve every problem. And you just run out of time. Like <laughs> you can be, you can maybe solve this thing. That's one of the, you know, 700 plus score range questions on the GMAT. But if it takes you five minutes, you're not really doing very well on the whole exam. Um, so that might also just be me <laughs> needing to learn to 
managed my test taking a little bit better. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I, it brings up the point of like test anxiety, which is to me, I do think, and, and Yuri alluded to this too, and I wanted to sort of share it for verbal also. Like, I, I think the GMAT is a more anxiety producing exam for most people. It's a bit more of a pressure cooker. And mm-hmm. again, I think you can learn strategy. I think that's something that you can overcome. But if you are somebody who's very prone to finding exams stressful to begin with, I've seen students who like the switch to the GRE and say, this just feels a little more relaxed. It feels like a little less intense. Yeah, skipping makes the biggest difference for that, which GMAT just can't do because it has adaptive per problem, right? Oh, you can still but, skip a lot. Oh, just, just, you, you <laughs> just like, oh, I don't know, C, move on. But that's a good move. <laughs> yeah. Tyler, I, uh, I took the uh, official practice exam as an experiment and skipped every third question. Uh, so every, and you can't literally skip, so I guessed C uh, for every multiple of three because it rhymes and I like rhymes. Um, and so uh, at the end of the exam, I got a 49 out of 51 and the perfect score is 51. And so I did it, same experiment again, uh, exactly every multiple of three, I guess C. And that time I got a 50 out of 51. So, uh, and as a... Uh, uh, aside, uh, I was not unreasonably lucky with multiples of three being C. Uh, mm-hmm. Almost exactly 20% of those questions I got right, 80% I got wrong, which is what I should have gotten in probability. So you mm-hmm. can skip a lot of questions on the GMAT and do exceedingly well. Um, got it. A, a, as a note. Yeah, I think my, my just my last comment on this. Um, for the, for the quant specifically is the, the one difficulty I did find with studying for it was that you had to study for a much wider range of difficulty problem sets. Um, the GRE difficulty kind of goes from like average to above average and the G and the GMAT difficulty for quant seems to go from average to like, this is hard. <laughs> and I like took advanced statistics, uh, as like an, a- like not like an AP class, but I took it in college and, like aced it and was like, cool, I can do this. Right. And then get to get to hard GMAT questions and no, I am, I'm getting my butt kicked. So it was really, I mean, do you, do you think that that makes it harder to study for, or do you think that there's ways around that? Yes, there are definitely ways around that as a GMAT teacher. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there are, um, uh, it's about picking and choosing which questions you can do and completely skipping which questions you can't do. Um, uh, but you're right. The, the, there aren't, it, but if you're getting a ton of GMAT questions, right, that's the only way you're going to see exceedingly hard questions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whereas on the GRE, you're not going to see the same ridiculously hard questions ever, but if you get into the hard second section, in quant, they are going to be difficult, and to do well, you'll have to get almost all of them right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, I think, a different pressure with the GRE quant section. And the, and this relates to both too. But you know, the way you study for the GMAT or should study is you should get really good at doing the easiest problems, and then mm-hmm. you should get really good at doing the medium problems, and then you should you know keep leveling up like that. It doesn't matter how good you are at the hardest problems until you're really good at the problems that are a bit easier. And the same, mm-hmm. I think, is true on, on both tests, on quant and on verbal. 
You know, your value really comes in from sort of getting the easier things right first. And so in that way, it's almost just like the highest level of the GMAT is only unlocked and only important for you to study after you're really solid on those, you know, one level below. And on the GRE, you never unlock that hardest level, but you have to get closer to perfect on that second hardest level. And, mm -hmm. and so it's almost like which one is more doable for you? Are you a perfectionist enough that you can be error free on a bunch of like moderately high difficulty problems? Or would you rather have more room to mess a few up, but have to see some harder ones as well? Yeah, no, that's really interesting too, because um, it reminds me of some of the other like um, just things that I've learned in the GRE space where minimizing mistakes, particularly like careless mistakes, is oh, yeah. a huge emphasis for the GRE. And I mean, it's always an emphasis, but maybe like, as you said, Yuri, you know, you made a, you made an intentional mistake with a third of your answers for the GMAT quant and it was okay. Right. You cannot do that with the GRE. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So then I think it's really, we, we've covered both of those really well. The last one I want to talk about here today is the analytical writing section. Um, so I'm curious kind of which of you wants to take this one on what the differences are and who's better suited for each. Yeah. I mean, I can jump in and I'll, I'll throw some other stuff with it because the answer to it's pretty short. Um, there's two essays on the GRE. There's one essay on the GMAT. One of the two essays on the GRE is almost identical to that GMAT essay. It's what's called the yeah, arguments it's essay. A... It's, it's a, you know, rebuttal of a kind of, or critique of a basic argument. The GRE's second essay is called the issues essay, and it's a personal stance on an issue. It is a bit different, and it is a bit harder for most students, especially because you can, uh, the same kind of work that prepares you for the sort of short arguments-based reading comp questions that show up on both uh, GMAT and GRE verbal sections does prepare you really well for that arguments essay. Um, but, uh, you know, they're just for most programs, it's just not a primary factor in admissions from what I understand either way. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the differences between how well you do on one or the other are a bit vague. You know, I've read statements from these programs where from, from the exams themselves where they say, schools should not make admissions decisions based upon differences of one point or less in applicants because we're, there's kind of a plus or minus one margin of error in our zero to six scoring system. So that means <laughs> if you get a four, they're telling you you're somewhere between a three and a five on a, on a spectrum that only has six points to begin with. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a vague snapshot of how good you are at writing in either case. And it's just mostly not a big factor in admissions in any case. So I, I can't really see a person for whom that's going to be the best way to decide which exam to take. Yeah. And we, we did a, um, an analysis of, we, we had people essentially grade thousands of GRE essays and we had multiple groups grading them. And then we put it all into kind of our, our internal sort of data science and uh, machine learning team to figure out, roughly speaking, like what are the parameters that make your GRE essay score goes up? And a lot of them are things like total word count, right? Um, and, you know, how many of your body paragraphs include like certain keywords from like your thesis statement, right? And, and it is true that these things are being auto-graded by both the GRE and the GMAT. And I would argue, I, it's likely that the GMAT has similar characteristics in how it's graded, right? It's not 
graded by a human who's like, this is really persuasive. It's graded by an automated grader that's making decisions based on essentially like rules. And yeah. so, yeah. That's well, although the, the GMAT claims that, you know, there, there's a human who grades it as well. And they claim that in, I think it's like 93% uh, of all cases, the human and the computer algorithm agree, meaning they give you mm. a score within one point of one another. And it's meant to be a check where if your argument sort of checks all the boxes mechanically, but doesn't make any sense and isn't as good an argument as a human would think it is, they throw out the computer score and they bring in a second human and they give you the average of the two human scores. So it's there's meant to be this element to it that's a little bit there. Although again, I think it's also those humans spend like four minutes average per essay. So it's it's a pretty rough snapshot of your writing ability in either case. Yeah. And I, I would say um, not only is it a rough snapshot, but if, if, you know, schools are saying it's not a huge emphasis and maybe it's just not the core crux of your decision to go with one test or the other. Yeah. Right. And, and I will point out, you know, the GMAT does have another section called IR, which is, is separate from all these and is another component in this, although it's also not as big a factor in admissions from what I understand for most people. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it, you know, it does add up to something, but it, it still adds up to less time than the GRE. And, and, you know, I think that's an important factor in the choice as well. The last time I took the GRE in a test center, I was shocked at how much time it took. You know, when you really get all the breaks in and the experimental sections and all of that, I was just like, this is a huge chunk of time that I need to sit down and be focused for and be trying to do my best on this test that's going to, you know, matter a lot for me. And, and the GMAT is shorter, and there's something nice about that. The GMAT also lets you choose the section order, which is really nice for people who want to have certain sections first before they're mentally fatigued and put things that are lower, less important factors in admissions or easier for them later. That's true. My, the EA is even shorter. My <laughs> students uh, regularly complain about the fatigue that sets in on the fourth section, fifth, sixth, and seventh sections of the GRE. Uh, whereas in two hours on the GMAT, you can be done the two most important sections, uh, quanta and verbal, uh, two hours and 10 minutes uh, or so. Um, and so that is, uh, I think, an important difference. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it really comes down to kind of how comfortable you are, you know, skipping versus not skipping, and then how much you, like, you know, for verbal, like you said, I'm just kind of summarizing everything we talked about today. For verbal, it was really about, you know, grammar versus vocab, like what do you feel strongest in? If you're a non-native English speaker, then perhaps it might actually be easier to do vocab. That was kind of a suggestion, the GRE being the vocab one, GMAT being grammar. And then on um, <clears throat> on the quant side, I mean, how, how would we summarize the quant side really quick? It, it was basically that you can get more questions wrong, but it, they're going to maybe be harder if you are doing well on hard questions. Is that is there anything else you want to add to that, Yuri? Yeah, and I think the timing is more friendly on the GRE. Yeah. Yeah, timing for quants more friendly. But then the timing of the overall test is a little brutal for the GRE, mostly because of their experimental section. Right. Um, which, yeah. which, and the, and the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Seth. Oh, and just to note, there are experimental questions on the GMAT, but it's a small number of them within the section rather than an entire experimental section, you know, as part of the shorter version. Um, 
And the, the other piece of it, uh, you know, that, that just I would throw out there for anybody making this choice, you should definitely take both. You should take a practice exam in both. And there's a mm -hmm. caveat there because it's misleading. People take the GMAT and they don't know what they're doing because they haven't studied math for a while, potentially. And they see easy questions and they think, oh, this is what the GMAT's like because they don't realize that it's not adapting and showing them the hardest thing. And similarly with the GRE, if you get the easier sections because you don't do well in the first one and you think, oh, I know what this test is like, I'm, you know, you're, you could be in for a surprise, but you still do have a much better idea just from the feel and formatting. A lot of people from doing both walk away with a much clearer sense of which one is going to be right for them. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think it's good advice to end on, actually. Um, well, thank you very much, Yuri and Seth. This is great. Uh, really enjoyed the episode today. This has been Jerry Snacks, hosted by me, Tyler, from Achievable. And don't forget that you can try our GRE course for free at achievable.me if you want to check out what the content is like before making your decision. Take care. Thanks so much, Tyler. Thanks for having us.